It's 11.30 at KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. It's time for Midday. Going to be a busy one as well. Packed house here inside the studio. A little sloppy out as well. I'm sure that you have probably already recognized that. Looking at possible snow in northwest Nebraska right now. I-80 westbound still closed, as you just heard uh, about 15 minutes ago. Sounds like that's going to be closed for a majority of the day here in the state. Looking at rain in the central portion of Nebraska as well, but we'll hear more about that coming up with uh, Paul Perkins. Scott Foster is sitting in for Jason Jorgensen. He's with the Loper women's basketball team who continue to win. We'll hear more about that. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing, but... Live in the flesh, it is Susan Littlefield with us. And Susan, how are you doing? Good. I had to use a little floaties to get here today. I imagine so. I, I imagine so. I left home this morning with a flood warning in place. Really? So I advised my teenage driver to really watch. If you see water yeah. over the road, yeah. you do not drive through it. Good so. idea. It looks like in your neck of the woods out east, five inches of rain has been reported. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily five inches. Mm-hmm. My sheep look like soggy socks. <laughs> You're gonna have I don't know what else to describe it as. Squeegee them out. Squeegee yeah, them out. Right. There we that's go. Right. Well, what do you have for us coming up today? Well, we're going to kick it off here at 1219 with Alex. Beef on the menu day is this coming Saturday. Wednesday is St. Patty's Day, so get some corned beef. Get the theme we've got going mm-hmm. here. I like, I like it. it. Yes, so we're going to talk about all, everything beef with her at 1219. And actually, that's going to continue into 1245 is Purdue University has a professor that says COVID-19 caused several changes within the beef industry. So we'll hear more about that. And then at 117, we will hear from Bryce as he talks with Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners about how funds are in the market. So that is going to be from the farm team on this midday. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate you uh, sitting in today. Hi, I'm, I'm honored. You know, typically when we're looking for the beef, we go straight to Bob Brogan. So it's a, it's a little different for somebody else to bring it to us. I know. I'm telling you. Nobody shows that like Bob Brogan. Bob will tell us more about beef here in just a little bit. No, I will. <laughs> you, you work, work on that. Work but on I am that. looking forward to St. Patrick's Day. Oh, good. Too. good. Well, Corn beef and cabbage. I didn't know mm-hmm. Bob was uh, St. Patrick's uh, aficionado. Yeah, my, my name is Irish. Okay. In case you hadn't noticed. Okay. Well, now we all know. Very yeah. good. Before we get back to Irish Bob, let's uh, catch up with Scott Irish Foster. Bob. We're going to use that from now on. Hey, well, I tell you, UNK's women's continue to win, and now they they're right. playing a team that uh, that they've beaten before. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of nice. We'll talk about that a little bit in sports. We're here from Carrie Amy on that. Uh, also, spring football starting at UNK. Good story about also. Uh, about a girl from Minden, Taylor Kissinger, and what she's going to be hoping to do. And if you got your bracket filled out, uh, we've got the winner of the Iditarod. So if you put your money on that, uh, on the brackets, the winner, the Iditarod, finished up the, just this morning. Oh, it did. That's like a month-long thing, right? Yes. It's okay. it, however long it takes. <laughs> That's true. I don't think there's a timeline. It's just, <laughs> just as long as you can finish. survive. A little shorter, so it'll have, he'll have an asterisk by oh. it because oh. it's a little shorter race. Oh, okay. This year. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that I for sure. Do. I bet you do. All right, Irish Bob, your turn. What do you have for us in stocks? Stocks mixed and trading as investors are looking at a mixed bag of data from China and Wall Street continuing to eye the bond market where yields have given back some of last week's gains. Uh, AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine is uh, running into some uh, trouble over uh, reports of uh, the possibility of blood clots. So we'll keep tuned on that. So that's 
the story in the business world. All right, thank you very much. A lot has changed in the 70 years KRVN has been on the air, but one thing hasn't, the dedication to our listeners. KRVN has been busting through Blizzard since our first day on the air in 1951, and this year is no different. This year, KRVN, The River, and Cami are giving you the opportunity to win a Blizzard-busting Polaris 450 EPS. This ATV is brand new with front and back racks, and we're adding a go light with remote control. It's a complete package for bad weather and good. Blizzard Buster is sponsored in part by Hayden Outdoors, Farm Ranch, and Recreational Real Estate, Pony Express Chevrolet Buick, Gothenburg, Pony Express Ford, Minden, Heartland Chevrolet Buick, Lexington, and Platte Valley Auto, Lexington, and Kearney. From busting through snowdrifts during calving to riding the river in the fall looking for that perfect buck, the Polaris is a workhorse that is also loaded for fun. Register at Nebraska Land Tire Centers in Lexington, Holdridge, McCook, and North Platte, and Nebraska Land Truck Center, I-80, Lexington. Cozad Auto Supply, Cozad, and Plum Creek Marketplace, Lexington. Let's have a regional ag weather update here on this soggy Monday. as Paul Perkins now joining us here in the studio. And, well, Paul, we saw numerous records broken over the weekend with the amount of rain and some areas probably saw a lot of snow as well. Exactly. Uh, much of Wyoming, of course, eastern Wyoming, getting the main brunt of a lot of the snow. A report out of the Cheyenne Weather Service says that their highest snowfall total that they saw was 33 inches oh. at Beaufort, which was just oh. west of Cheyenne. That sounds awful. And I looked that up on the map, and that's where they have the famous tree in the rock there at Beaufort, Wyoming. Oh, okay. That's maybe the way that name sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real small town, but yeah, right along the interstate. 33 inches there. I saw DIA and uh, just outside of Denver, the International Airport, 27 inches yeah. as well, which is near a record high. But, uh, boy, they got a lot of snow. Yeah, and, and I believe that Denver snowfall total was the most they had seen in a, uh, a snowstorm since 1881. 1881. <laughs> a 1-8 mm-hmm. before yeah. the 81. Okay, that's a long time ago. Yes. Meanwhile, the rest of us here back in Nebraska, uh, I, I know some areas set records in, in terms of either two-day or 24-hour precipitation totals. Yeah, many locations up to three to six inches of rain. The biggest I've seen so far from this storm was just west of St. Paul, we had a mm-hmm. listener report of 6.3 inches of rain with this system. But a lot of locations, yeah, three to six inches of snow. And we're getting some uh, numerous five-inch rain to- totals coming in from eastern Nebraska right now. The rain gauge is getting some work. It's been a while <laughs> for them. They're getting back in the midst of things, which is good, especially some of those areas where it's been dry. It's nice to see this moisture. And the and the rain really came at a nice, relaxed right. uh, pace. Uh, right. We did have some flooding, but nothing that's been too substantial. A uh, little bit of light rain continuing to lift through the region right now most of this rain is along and east of a line from about burwell to lexington holdridge and the alma area and it continues to lift more towards the north and northwest but some bands of rain from burwell to lexington and holdridge also the most of the rain from about alma and franklin through the grand island area to columbus to just near the Fremont area, and also some bands of rain from Smith Center down to Salina. It's kind of lifting to the north and northwest, but in time we'll be moving off towards the east. Most of our temperatures right now upper 30s to low 40s, so staying above freezing, still a little bit of light snow uh, falling in the Nebraska panhandle towards the far west. And you're going to tell us more rain and snow is on the way in the next <laughs> couple of days. A couple of more systems moving through. Scattered rain today, possibly mixed with some snow, remains a possibility with this area of low pressure tracking east across Kansas. Any rain amounts, though, additional rain amounts will be on the light side, maybe another 10 to 20 hundredths of an inch. 
Light rain and snow will develop over the Sand Hills tonight, move into parts of central Nebraska with the leftover wave of low pressure. Areas to the north of IED, it could get cold enough that we could see a dusting to perhaps two inches of snow, mainly about an inch at the most in central Nebraska. Tomorrow night through Wednesday night, Another area of low pressure will track across southern Kansas and Oklahoma with one last chance of rain or snow, possibly a few thunderstorms. Big question right now, how much of that precip will fall with some snow? The current consensus is for an inch or so of some slushy snow. Thursday through the weekend, the forecast dries out with the warming trend. Additional rain chances arrive by Sunday night with another system. Any warming trend looks to be short-lived. Warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas. This weekend, that spring begins through early next week. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures back to seasonal to slightly cooler than normal the middle of next week through March 28th. Active weather will continue with above normal precipitation this weekend through March 28th for Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors impacting the markets include heavy precipitation for the central U.S. and late season rain in Argentina's forecast. Conditions across the central plains will improve as the storm moves east towards the mid-Mississippi Valley. A new storm developing over the western U.S. following a similar path reaching the central plains by the middle of the week. The active weather could the active weather over the weekend in the Midwest resulted in improved soil moisture. Soil moisture from additional precipitation chances this week will continue to improve for drier areas across western Iowa and around the Great Lakes. In the Southern Plains, the strong weekend storm producing widespread moderate to heavy rain and snow with many areas recording more than two inches of liquid precipitation, a big win for soil moisture and easing of the drought. More showers can be counted on the middle of this week and again next week in a reversal of fortunes for Southern Plains winter wheat and soil moisture for corn and soybeans. In western Argentina, isolated to scattered showers fell this past weekend at mostly missed the high-production corn and soybean areas. The dryness has continued concerns about immature crops in the Argentina area. A storm will cross central Argentina's crop region with moderate to heavy rainfall today and tomorrow. The end of the week brings a similar weather system. And we just got this in from the uh, Nebraska Department of Transportation. I-80 westbound is now closed all the way to Grand Island. Wow. Do all to the facilities of the traffic trying to go westbound, backed up and not able to go. It was initially to Kearney since last night, but now they're closing it to Grand Island. So Grand Island all the way to Utah, I-80 westbound is now closed. All the way to Utah. Isn't that just mind-boggling? That is a long, <laughs> long stretch of the interstate. And just imagine all the traffic that yeah. is backed up as well. I'm sure you encountered a lot of traffic on the interst- or on the highway coming yeah. to work this morning. Well, uh, I actually saw some vehicles turn back around at Elm Creek because they ran into the sign saying, uh-huh. don't go west on uh, Highway 30 here. Of course, I uh, full right to to get to work, to work but, right yes. and it wasn't too bad to drive here it was just wet but yeah saw a semi and a car from iowa turning around mm. there <laughs> was talking to someone going east and they said the interstate it was eerie not seeing anybody on the westbound <laughs> lanes they were just you can go east and the i-80 eastbound is now open from big springs pretty much on but now i-80 westbound from grand island all the way to utah is now officially closed and sounds like it'll be closed for most of the day so it's uh, probably expect more backups. Quite the storm out there, yes. All right. For more weather, where can you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. The month of March and really the whole spring season is about to be really busy for the Nebraska beef industry. And today we're going to learn more with Adam Wagner. He's the director of marketing with the Nebraska Beef Council. Adam, tell us a little bit, first of all, about some of the Nebraska Beef Council's promotional efforts in the upcoming months. 
Well, Alex, as you said, we, we push into spring here, and that really ramps up our beef promotions and, uh, and really the promotions that are going to be done around the country by retailers and food service operators. So we've got a lot going on in March, which uh, really sets us up for the movement into grilling season. And then, of course, we'll have beef month coming up in May. So this really is a great setup for all those things to come. Of course, one of the big important holidays for beef coming up is St. Patrick's Day, which is just right around the corner. Uh, it's estimated that about a third of Americans are going to celebrate with some kind of an Irish-themed meal. So certainly corned beef is going to be a staple on many uh, dinner tables this week. Um, and we plan to share a collection of our corned beef recipes on our social media platforms just to provide consumers a little inspiration. So we're going to start that messaging probably the beginning of the week and it'll lead up uh, into St. Patrick's Day and then a little beyond. You know, March is also um, Nutrition Month, and so we're going to take this opportunity to share information about beef's nutrients and the importance of beef in a well-balanced diet. So next week, we're going to be starting the Beef on the Menu campaign, where we're going to encourage Nebraskans to enjoy beef and take advantage of all those nutrients found in beef. And we really want to make this a reminder to consumers that not only does eating beef provide your body with the essential nutrients like zinc, iron, and protein, but it also supports those hardworking uh, farmers and ranchers that are right here in our state. So one fun element that we're going to include this year in our promotion is that during the week of March 15th through the 21st, visitors to the Nebraska Beef Council Facebook page are going to have the opportunity to post a picture of themselves eating or preparing beef and including the hashtag beef on the menu, and that will qualify them for one of five beef-themed prize packs that we're giving away. So we'll be able to encourage our retail and food service partners to extend this messaging as well. We really hope that this grassroots effort will uh, raise awareness of the importance of beef and a well-balanced diet and show our gratitude towards Nebraska's farmers and ranchers. And we're just really looking forward to seeing those, uh, those pictures that people are going to be sharing with us online. Awesome. And that's not the only thing, though, that's going on for the beef ind- industry this spring. Tell us what you guys have coming up on the calendar looking forward to the spring season. Well, later on, towards the end of March and even into April, we're going to be extending the national uh, campaign, which is called Beef in the Early Years. And that's where we highlight the latest research that emphasizes beef benefits to uh, infants and toddlers uh, that are over the age of six months. So the Dietary Guidelines for Americans and the American Academy of Pediatrics have both included meat as part of their recommendations for first foods for children. And we have some really great videos that help explain the benefits of beef to um, growth and development for young children. We're also going to share information uh, from leading experts on how to introduce beef to infants. You know, as a parent, I was always a little cautious about feeding our kids their first solid foods. So we've got some uh, really good guidelines for parents on how they can do that safely. And we're also going to have uh, information that's supported by leading organizations, which is uh, a big win for uh, beef when they're the ones recommending this and they're, they're telling parents that it's okay to feed their, their children beef. So as I said, we're going to push this information out through our social media efforts over the next few months. But we're going to continue that as part of our talking points moving forward. You know, it's just a, another chapter in the, on the book of beef's nutritional benefits, and we're really looking forward to sharing that story. Absolutely. And just as a reminder, Beef on the Menu Week is going on right now, so you can post your beef pictures on the Nebraska Beef Council's Facebook page. That again is Adam Wagner. He is the Director of Marketing with the Nebraska Beef Council, broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. 
Scott Foster is sitting in for Jason Jorgensen, who's on the road with the UNK women's basketball team, who continues to win. We'll hear more about that. Today is also the 15th day of March. Well, beware of the Ides of March. I am celebrating by having a Caesar salad today. Really? Just so happens, my salad right here to my right is a Caesar salad as well. My goodness, aren't we topical? We, uh, you know, we know how to celebrate, you know, in, in our own way, I suppose. Uh, also, speaking of celebrating, and it is March, mid-March. Yes. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, UNK continuing to dance. Mm-hmm. But uh, brackets are going to yep. be filled out. Uh, have you filled out yours? I have not. I just received it from you moments ago. So oh, I, well, not... I didn't know if you got right on it. No, 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 oh, okay. no. I've got, I've paid no attention to basketball this year, so it's a but we, so I'll probably do better than I ever have. Well, I think it's a crapshoot for really sure everybody because you have all these different teams. I mean, you have Kentucky. Some of these blue bloods don't even get in. I think right. Kentucky had the worst year ever since like the twenties. But a lot of these teams that are in, it, you don't know because with the COVID season, uh, it's it's a weird year. Uh, so anybody's up for grabs. Mostly just conference play with these guys. Right. Yeah. So so you you know how they did in conference, but when they go out, who knows? So be interesting to see. Well, one team we do know that is continuing to dance. They will continue their uh, postseason play tonight. Boy, the UNK women, winners of 49 of their last 58 games, will try and make history when it faces Central Missouri in the Central Region final tonight. The Loper women have never advanced to the Elite Eight. This is the third matchup of the season with the Jennies, who the Lopers beat here in Missouri in January. Head coach Carrie Amy says the confidence is nice to have going into this one. Winning here earlier in the year was helpful. Um, we hadn't won here uh, in a really, really long time, especially obviously since these kids have been around. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's huge just mentally to know that you, you've already beat somebody on their home floor. and. A win tonight will push the Lopers into next week's Elite Eight tournament that is in Columbus, Ohio. Tip-off tonight is set for 6 o'clock. The game can be heard at 93.1 KRVN FM and 106.9 in Kearney, and you can also listen on the River app. Staying with UNK, the football team begins preparations for the 2021 season today. With the start of spring practice, the Lopers will work out the NCAA allotted 15 times between March 15th and 16th, weather permitted. Head coach Josh Lynn and his staff must replace 10 all-MIAA players off a team that went 7-5 and five in 2019 and won the Mineral Water Bowl. The 2021 season begins at home on Thursday, September 2nd. Well, as Tyler talked about, the 68-team NCAA tournament field is set. Gonzaga is the top seed overall, trying to become the first team since 19, the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers to finish a season undefeated. The other top seeds are Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. The tournament will be held entirely in the Indianapolis area, and no player can show up for a game without seven negative tests for COVID-19. And my goodness, the Big Ten is loaded. A lot of teams there. One team that's not loaded anymore is Indiana. They just lost their head coach. Archie Miller was fired today, which, by the way, he was paid $10 million to to boot Scoot and Boogie out of Indiana. So no more Archie Miller. I wonder what the payout is here at KRV and if you get fired. <laughs> you want to test it? No, I don't. Okay. Not. In the worst-kept secret ever, the NFL's <laughs> all-time leader in completions and yards passing is retiring. Quarterback Drew Brees played 20 NFL seasons, including the last 15 New Orleans coming up with the San Diego 
Chargers. And good news for Taylor Kissinger, the former Minden athlete and stud for the women's basketball team at Nebraska. She'll be entering a program offered by the Women's Basketball Coaches Association that's called So You Want to Be a Coach, and a good chance that she will be coaching. And Dallas Seavey is the winner of the Iditarod this morning. Uh, they only went only went 850 miles oh, today. Oh, the pandemic me. shortened mm. it down. See, it's a little bit of an asterisk, but finish line in Willow, Alaska, early this morning. So, congratulations to Dallas CV. If you had him in your brackets as the winner of the Iditarod, congratulations. I am curious why they didn't go the extra 175 miles. Is usually 975. I mean, or 125 miles basically. Right. It's 975 miles on the north route, 985 on the south route, and uh, so they must have used. This. I don't know why would that would matter in a race like that. Everything's right. dead up there anyway. Yeah, right, yeah. It's so cold. Brush up on your idea to ride. I'll get back to you. We'll yeah, okay, thanks. Thank you very much. Time for midday news. News director Dave Schroeder has stepped in, and we're uh, we're finding more about the road closures here in Nebraska, and it seems like they've uh, backed it up a little bit more now to Grand Island on I eighty. Yes, uh, late last night they had uh, they closed the interstate from westbound from Lexington, and they extended it over to Kearney last night, and now. Just within the past hour, they've extended the westbound closure to Grand Island, mm. and that includes Highway 30. And so uh, I talked with Gary Thayer earlier this morning. He's a District 6 engineer in North Platte, and he says to plan on the interstate remaining closed in Nebraska at least through today. We are currently closed because of the Wyoming weather, and we close as accommodations fill up working through local emergency managers. Uh, when, when hotel rooms are full and truck parking stalls are unavailable anymore, then that's why we close as we do. Now, for those uh, long-distance uh, drivers out there going to try to get on Highway 30 and go down the interstate, no go because uh, at various places they do have personnel checking to make sure that if you are local traffic, they will allow you through. Again, that's local traffic. Uh, they will allow you through to your destination. So be careful of that and stay put. And I 80 eastbound is now open from Big Springs pretty much all the way to the east now, correct? Yes, okay. that's correct. All right. Correct. Well, Nebraska prisons officials say an inmate attacked a staffer at the state prison in Tecumseh over the weekend. The Nebraska Department of Corrections says it occurred Sunday when an inmate punched the staffer several times in the head. A spokeswoman for the department, Laura Strimple, said other staff members were able to restrain the inmate and stop the attack. The assaulted staffer was taken to a hospital for treatment of head injuries that were considered serious enough to require immediate medical treatment. Strimple says the Johnson County attorney will review a prison investigation into the incident and then decide whether to file charges. Police in Omaha are looking for suspects in the shooting death of a man early in the weekend. Officers were called to a North Omaha neighborhood Friday evening where they found 59-year-old Larry Thompson suffering from gunshot wounds. Thompson was taken to an area hospital where he later died. Police haven't released other details about the shooting and have not announced any arrests or named any suspects in the shooting as of this morning. 
Well, if it's not uh, snow or rain, it's earthquakes. A cluster of earthquakes with epicenters in Wichita has rattled south-central Kansas, including a fifth that the U.S. Geological Survey recorded as a 3.9 magnitude. Well, that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. top analysts said the COVID pandemic has caused several changes in the beef industry, many of which could be here to stay. Jason Lusk is a professor and the head of the Department of Ag Economics at Purdue University, and he was recently a featured speaker during the annual Kansas State Cattlemen's Day. He focused on the impacts of the pandemic on the beef cattle sector, and he first started with an overview of the past year. It's been over a year ago that we started to see some early stories of consumers beginning to stock up um, on and put more items in their pantries and their freezers, even as early as as early March of of last year in 2020. Then in mid-March, we had two large demand shocks. I think it is important to emphasize where these shocks are coming from because a year out now and even in the middle of the crisis, I think that people often conflated all the different disruptions that they were seeing at the time. But there were two demand shocks that happened. Uh, One was a massive increase in demand for food bought through supermarkets and grocery stores. At the same time, there was an enormous reduction in demand at food service through restaurants. And so this caused a lot of disruption to run on grocery stores, some of the empty shelves that we saw. And my sense is that at least in terms of the grocery store sector, that that we got back to something that looked pretty close to normal within a few weeks. Now, of course, food service wasn't recovered, but really by the end of March, many grocery stores were restocked and, and you know, except for a few items, were, were mainly back to what consumers were accustomed to seeing. But as soon as we got through those shocks, a, a different shock happened, this time from the supply side. Beginning in middle of April, we started to see stories of uh, workers becoming ill in packing plants and those packing plants slowing down and then shutting down. And I think, you know, many of you lived through that, so I don't have to recount all of those uh, stories at the time. You know, again, I think within about a month to a month and a half, at least from the consumer's perspective, maybe not all, all throughout the supply chain, but from the consumer's perspective, the grocery store returned to something a little more, a little more normal as Shelves were stocked. Some of the restrictions on how much consumers could buy were lessened. But just about the time maybe things got to be normal and and it looked like cases were falling off, there was a bit of a resurgence of cases in the summer, a reclosure of restaurants in many places. And it just seemed like we were in a quagmire, Um, weren't really improving. Cases started to rise throughout the fall and we're in a bit of a stalemate. Fortunately, in December, The first uh, vaccinations were given out in the United States. And I think, you know, since that time, there's really been a hope for a return to normalcy. Lusk also broke down the wholesale prices in the beef, pork, chicken and shell egg industries. You can see if we look at beef, for example, uh, the dotted line, blue dotted line is 2019. The red line is 2020. And again, when consumers made that run on grocery stores, it pulled up wholesale prices uh, of all these commodities. But then there was a dip. Now, why, why would there be a dip? And I think that was sort of the market understanding that we also lost a market channel. That was the food service channel. So consumers weren't going out and buying as many burgers or 
uh, steaks when they were eating out in restaurants. And so demand started to dip. Uh, but then when the packing plant started to shut down, we saw this enormous run up in prices in, in beef and pork. Chicken, interestingly, uh, throughout most of 2020 was below prices of 2019, just wasn't affected in the same way, although you can see the, some of the similar dynamics that happened there. Shell eggs is another interesting story, a dramatic run up in wholesale and retail prices. And Lusk said a lot of businesses during the pandemic could base their success on the food industry. I think one thing that's important to recognize is that, you know, whether somebody fared well or poorly during the pandemic was directly proportional to the extent to which their business depended on the food service or the grocery store market. And this is just a little snapshot of March and April, what happened to wholesale beef prices relative to the the start of, of March. You can see that, you know, for some primals like round and chuck, prices actually increased in that first part of the demand shocks, whereas loin short plate prices fell. Now, he's all coming off the same animal. So what, what's going on here? And I think the answer is that, you know, what, what do consumers want at home? Uh, these are products that tend to be used more in ground products at perhaps a lower price point than some of these. A lot of loin products, steaks used in restaurants. Uh, short plate, things like fajitas, where people tend to eat more away from home. So it just goes to show you, even within the category of beef, you can get really big, different effects uh, depending on you know where those products normally go. Now, all these prices got pulled up in the weeks that followed because of the packing plant shutdowns. And those packing plant shutdowns raised another question with Lusk. Would the U.S. benefit from more large plants or small and medium packing plants? You know, would we be better off with more small and medium processors, more local processors? Perhaps. I think the issue wasn't really one of size. You know, I think it really was an issue of capacity. The issue was when these plants went down, there was no extra space for these animals to go. And if you think about what was needed in that environment was more capacity, which is another way of saying to increase resiliency in a lot of systems, what you need is redundancy in the system. The problem with redundancy and excess capacity is it's expensive. Can you imagine going to your banker and saying, I wanna take out a few million dollars, build a a big piece of capital facility and uh, leave it sitting idle. Um, That's just not a very attractive proposition, I think for most, uh, most businesses and the same is true during the pandemic. Now, that doesn't mean there might not be opportunities for more small and and medium processors, or even for some of the big packers, perhaps add more capacity as a form of insurance, even if it does add some costs. I think that's, you know, maybe one lens through which people will be looking at this stuff. During his presentation, Lusk also said he expects to see more automation in the packing plant industry and to see more consumer interest in locally sourced products. That again is Jason Lusk with Purdue University. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With a business report for Monday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are mixed in afternoon trading as Wall Street eyes the bond market where yields have pulled back a bit after Friday's sharp increase. Investors' focus remains on the recovery of the U.S. and global economies from the coronavirus pandemic. The $1.9 trillion aid package for the U.S. economy has lifted investors' confidence in a strong recovery from the pandemic in the second half of the year, but also raised concerns about a potential jump in inflation. 
The German government says it's suspending use of AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine over fresh reports of dangerous blood clots in connection with the shot. The health ministry says the decision was taken as a precaution and on the advice of Germany's national vaccine regulator, the Paul Ehrlich Institute, which is calling for further investigation of the cases. In a statement, the ministry says the European Medicines Agency will decide whether and how the new information will affect authorization of the vaccine. Air travel is gaining altitude. More than one million people have gone through U.S. airport checkpoints each of the last four days. It was more than 1.3 million on Sunday. That was the first time TSA screened more people than it did on the comparable day in 2020. However, travel is still down sharply from 2019 before the pandemic. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline jumped 25 cents a gallon over the past three weeks to $2.89. Industry analyst Troby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says the price spike is due to higher crude oil costs, the lingering effect of power outages that caused several Texas refineries to shut down or reduce operations last month, and surging prices on credits for a renewable fuel. The current average price of unleaded regular in Nebraska is $2.79, according to AAA, about 3.4 cents higher than a week ago. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are visiting with Jeff Peterson, the president of Heartland Farm Partners. We catch up weekly about the markets and talk about some different interesting things that he's seeing in the market activity. And Jeff, we're going to focus the start of our conversation around the funds. And before we talk about some changes to the funds, let's back up for somebody who's not extremely familiar with the markets. What what role do the funds play in the markets? You know, the funds play a, a real important role. A lot of times, you know, the, the speculative traders, you know, or the farmers or the hedgers. But a lot of people, you know, don't like them. They believe that they move the market around too much. But I, I think they serve an important purses, purpose. They, at times, they take the market too high. And that's always kind of fun if you're able to sell there. At times, they also take the market too low. And the ones in particular that we watch are what are called the manage money. So those are the trend-following funds. And, and what I mean by that price is that if they physically think the market's going to go higher, they continue to buy. But if they all of a sudden think the market's going to turn and go lower, they'll physically go ahead and sell. That's different than what we call as the index funds. The index funds are actually their using the commodity market to manage inflation against their investments that they have. So you'll hear both those talked about. And each week when the reports come out, uh, actually the CFTC reports on Fridays, and that is through the activity on the previous Tuesday. And what they're telling us is the fund position for the different categories, and we always watch that manage money position. Well, there is a change for the funds in terms of their role in the markets. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so basically in order to make sure that no one corners the market or or basically owns too much of it and is manipulating the price movement of the market, there is limits that play, is placed on them by the regulatory agencies. And actually overnight, uh, starting at midnight now, last night, the, the fund positions, how th- much they can hold for each individual company, that actually increased. So what some people were thinking, Bryce, is that we maybe weren't going higher in the market because a lot of the funds had came up against their limits. I, I don't think that was the case. 
So what a lot of people were hoping overnight is that when those fund positions were increased, it would allow them to buy more. Um, but that didn't happen. We're a little bit weaker overnight in the overnight trade. But the only thing about it, though, is that what it does open up the door to do is that if they see the opportunity and the conditions are right, it means they do have the ability to buy more bushels than they would have before. Let's jump and talk about ethanol, a little bit of a rebound we've seen, right? Oh, boy, it was a really nice rebound. You know, we had some of the cold conditions kind of slowed things down. But, yeah, we had a very nice rebound there. So the demand side on the ethanol is looking much better than what it has been in a, in a number of weeks. And what we're actually seeing there is that the price of ethanol is going up. So because of the price of crude oil is going up and also because gasoline's going up. So that's, that's making the margins better there. And it's helping us feel more confident about one of the big major you know, demand areas on the corn side. We've covered a lot here, but as we do look uh, toward a new week, as we like to do here on Mondays, what are just one or two factors that a farmer should be watching? Yeah, I think right now you got to continue to keep an eye on that South American weather. You also got to continue to keep an eye on the chart, so, and that's not something we talk about a lot. There's a formation that happened on the soybean chart going into the close uh, last week and on a weekly chart. That's where we actually had a, the markets traded higher than they did the previous week, but yet then they ended up closing lower, and that's called a weekly on the chart, on a weekly chart, a hook reversal, a bearish hook reversal. So that would open the door for us to see some lower trade. Now, personally, as a company, we still think we could see some higher trade down the road, but we do need to get some more bullish information. As always, Jeff, appreciate your time today. You bet. Thanks a lot. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing, Chicago Publisher of the Newsletter this week in Grain. John's green on the screen coming in the close and a lot of this really seeming to turn following that NOPA crush report despite the fact it came in below analyst estimates. Yeah, but it's still tight. I mean, I think at some point here you have to realize there aren't really the soybeans available to crush. So, you know, marginally they're not going to be able to grow as much. I think the bearish crush can certainly solve some of the problems in the meal market very quickly, just given how tight the other markets are. So I don't look, I don't look for this to change direction at all. I think, you know, this is still a weather market, uh, you know, until South America's crops out of the ground right now, it's, you know, looking good, but until otherwise, uh, I think we're stuck in this range corn, you know, up at the 560 on cash tightness, uh, above that, you're probably going to see some cash loosen up a little bit. Uh, I think the value in the back of the curve though is, is to be noted, especially in, uh, in the corn markets here uh, as we continue to hold that back end uh, above 475. Obviously, in this demand-led market, it's a positive thing, and currencies haven't become that much of a worry. But going into the end of the 21 growing season, when the 21 crop looks to be an export market, what do we see there was the euro continues to fall against the dollar along with emerging currencies? Yeah, the emerging currencies are the ones you, you, you need to watch that we just can't seem to get any direction moving forward. And Part of that is due to, you know, just simple economics. The U.S. has you know, put in a tremendous amount of stimulus, and that'll drive economic growth and, you know, add dollars to the system. Um, but on the other side of it, you know, they, they're dealing with COVID as well. And, and you know, whatever your stance is on it, the behavior of, of Europe right now and a lot of Southeast Asian countries when in South America as well are, are, are locked down. So until that changes and, it's you know, it's, it's probably going to get much worse in that divide before it gets better, just given the U.S.'s momentum here. Um, there could be there could be some, some rockiness in the back of the curve on beans. 
because if, if you're looking at another increase in bean numbers for next year, like they went from one, basically went from 110, and this is, I'm speaking of Brazil, like 110 three years ago. They're now, they went to 124 last year, uh, and now they're, they're upwards of 135. And I mean, I don't know, can you just keep penciling in production growth like that? I'm not sure, but the, the weaker currencies certainly encourage it, and they don't have the, the CLP and the, the EPA issues that we have here in the U.S. So those farmers can chase the margins a little bit more than the farmers here will. Um, so you'd like to see that stronger currency to drive up values for those deferred contracts. I still think that's what the value is, but uh, for beans, I'm a little bit more shy, just given that you know we're up here in the you know pushing on eleven dollars with with big growth next year. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday on this Monday. If you missed anything or want to go back and hear some of those segments, you can listen to our midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors, where podcasts are available or krvn.com.